Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 32 of the Money Love Podcast, where this week we are going to be talking all about your credit score. After launching Credit Card Clarity last week, Not only did a ton of questions about credit cards start flowing in, but also a ton of questions about credit scores started flowing in because the two are very closely related. And so I actually mixed it up and I kind of tossed the episode that I was going to do this week. And I was like, okay, we need to do an episode where we just talk about your credit score. And really what I want to do in this episode is I really want to help you understand your credit score, understand what it is why it's important, the factors that go into it, where you can find out what yours is, really just all things credit scores. And I will say that I will be talking about credit cards just a little bit in this episode because what you'll find by the end of it is that by far, credit cards are the easiest and most effective way to build and improve your credit score. It's not the only way, certainly, but we're probably going to spend about 90% of the episode talking about your score and then the other 10% talking about credit cards. Because again, there is a way that you can use credit cards to increase your score. I have to start this episode by saying, which it's even weird that I feel like I have to just make this disclaimer and say this, but I am team credit score. I think that it's very important that you have a credit score, that you care what it is, and that you are working to do everything that you can to keep it high. Now, if some of you are like, why do you need to say that? Why is that even like a disclaimer that you have to make? There is a voice in the personal finance space. I've got it. I feel like every week this has been coming up. I'll just say it, Dave Ramsey. And I promise you after this episode, I'm going to stop mentioning the man because If you have been paying attention to the news, it's not like he needs any more free publicity from me after this past week. But Dave Ramsey is anti-credit score. He's anti-debt, he's anti-credit cards, and he's also anti-credit score. Because what he believes is that if you're not using debt, then you don't need a credit score, which that is true and that is accurate. However, I don't feel that that is reasonable for the average person to pay cash for everything forever. Now, there are people who prefer to live an all-cash lifestyle, meaning that everything that they buy, whether it's a car or a house or anything, they pay cash for. And if you do that, if you want to live that type of financial lifestyle, that is absolutely okay. It's your choice. And if you want to do that, then no, you will not need a credit score. However, I would say that only a very small percentage of people either A, want to do that, or B, can do that with their financial situation. So if you plan on using credit for anything in the future, whether it's a credit card, a mortgage to buy a home, a loan to buy a car, if you need to take out student loans or a personal loan or something for your business, then you need a credit score. Now, let's talk about what a credit score is, because once you understand what it is, then you will understand why you need one. So a credit score is a numerical expression of your credit worthiness, okay? It's a numerical expression of your credit worthiness. It is a three-digit number that is going to range anywhere from 300 to 850. It will not go outside of those ranges, and the higher it is, the better. 
So you want it to be as close to that 850 mark as possible because the higher that number is, the more reliable that you are deemed to be to a potential creditor or lender, which means you are lower risk. So when you go to apply for credit, your credit score is what the potential lender or creditor uses to determine if they are going to lend you that credit, to lend you that capital. Because your credit score is based off of past financial decisions that you are made. It's based off of how well you have managed credit that has been lended to you in the past. So if you have a high credit score, that means that you have been lended credit in the past that you've been responsible with. You've paid it back when you were supposed to pay it back, You weren't very highly utilized in it. You weren't using it irresponsibly. It could be that you've had a long history of doing this and managing it well. I'm going to go through all the factors of your credit score. But what I want you to take from this factor is that your score is simply just that. Your score is based off of how you have handled and dealt with credit in the past, and lenders are going to use it today to determine if they are going to lend you credit in the future. And again, the higher the score is, the better, because that indicates that you're more reliable and lower risk. So I want to give you the ranges within this 300 to 850 to tell you, okay, what's considered very bad, bad, fair, poor, good, excellent, all those sorts of ranges so you can know. And I'm also going to tell you in a second how you can check your credit score, but here are the ranges. So if your score is anywhere between 300 and about 560, that is considered very bad. 560 to about 650 is considered bad. 650 to 700 is considered fair. 700 to 750 is considered good. And anything above 750 is considered excellent. So 750 to 850 would be considered excellent. So those are the ranges. So like I said, you want it to be as high as possible because really there's two things that your credit score is going to determine. The first thing that it's going to determine is your access to new credit. So like I said, a potential lender or a creditor is going to check your credit score. And if your credit score is too low, if it's below a certain threshold, then a lot of lenders are going to determine that you are simply just not worth the risk that they have to take on to lend you the money, which means that they're just not going to give it to you at all. But they're just going to say, I'm sorry, you're too high risk, you're not reliable enough, it's not worth the potential risk to us. So we're just not going to lend you this money altogether. So that's the first thing that it's going to determine is if you're just going to have any access to capital or credit at all. But then the second thing that it's going to determine is if you are granted access to credit or capital, how much you are going to pay to use that credit or that capital. And that means the interest rate that you are going to pay. So if you remember from a past episode, with debt, the interest that you pay is the cost that you are paying to buy that money. Remember I told you debt is simply buying money. The interest rate that you pay is the cost of buying that money. And as we know, the higher the interest rate, the more expensive buying that money becomes. So you can have two people that each go and they get a $200,000 loan for a home. Now person A could be paying an interest rate of 2.5% because they have a really high credit score. So they are deemed very reliable, very low risk by the lender. So They're still going to have to pay a cost to borrow that money, but it's going to be a very low cost. Compared to person B, who let's say has a much lower credit score, they have to pay 5% to borrow that same $200,000. B 
because of their lower credit score, they are deemed to be higher risk and less reliable. And when you are deemed less reliable and the lender is taking on a higher level of risk to lend you that money, then the lender is going to want to be compensated for that higher level of risk that they are taking on. So because of that, they are going to charge you a higher interest rate. So when you compare these two people, the second person is going to pay twice as much to borrow that money compared to the first person, all because they have a lower credit score. So that is why A, having a credit score matters because just to recap, it's going to determine if you can even get access to capital at all. And B, if you can get access to that capital, how much you're going to pay for it. And having a high credit score is one of the easiest ways in personal finance to put money back into your pocket. I gave this example in the last episode, but just being in those different credit tiers, let's say being in a credit tier of very good compared to fair can save you tens of thousands of dollars over the course of your lifetime in what you're going to pay to borrow capital. Okay, so that's why you need a credit score. That's why it matters. Now, let's talk about the factors that go into determining your credit score. There's five, and all five of them, actually two of them have the same weight, but almost all of them have different weights that they play. And that essentially just means that some factors are more important than others. So there are three credit bureaus, and you've probably heard of the credit bureaus before, but the credit bureaus are TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. You are going to have a score with each one of them. Now, you actually do, the reality of it is, you have more than three credit scores. There's three different bureaus, and then there's two different primary algorithms, and Even certain lenders can kind of put their own spin on your credit score once they're checking it. So one person could have dozens of different scores. And I don't say that to overwhelm you or stress you out. You do not need to know your score at every bureau, under every single algorithm. They're all going to be pretty close, but probably not exact. But there are algorithms that are used to determine your score. And again, these five factors go into it. So let's walk through the five factors. The first and most heavily weighted factor, which means it's the most important factor to either boosting your score or decreasing your score, is your on-time payment history. This essentially means, are you paying back the debt when you said that you would pay it back by? Are you giving the lender back their money when they need it back by? So I just want you to think of this factor as, are you making your payments on time? Now, a couple important things about this factor that I want you to realize. The first thing that I want you to realize, which might help some of you take a deep breath here, is that when it comes to your credit score, a payment is not considered late, technically, until it is past 30 days late. So something has to be 30 days past due for it to even get to a point where it is being reported to the bureaus that, hey, this is late. So I know for some of you, come to me in a panic because you're like one or two days late maybe making a credit card payment or a car payment or something, right? You just forgot about it, slipped your mind, and you're a couple days late making the payment. If you are one, three, even 25, 28 days late making a payment, the only really consequence of that is that you're probably going to have to pay a late fee, which I will tell you, by the way, in Credit Card Clarity, I actually give you a script that you can use to call the credit card companies. And you can use this for any lender and have late fees waived. But really for what we're talking about here, if you are a couple days late, the only consequence of that is that you're probably going to have to pay a late fee. 
It has to be past 30 days late to be reported to the bureaus. But once something gets to that point, once it's past 30 days late, it's going to get reported to the bureaus. It's going to show as a late payment on your credit report. And after that point, that late payment is going to stay on your credit report for seven years. Seven years, you guys. Okay, so not only is this factor the most heavily weighted, but it takes the longest to correct itself because really the only way to have it correct itself is if you can somehow call and have the lender remove it, which can be difficult to do sometimes, or you just wait the seven years for it to fall off. I will tell you that I had this happen to me one time. It happened with one of my student loans. And if you know my story, you know that I had student loans that I didn't really even know existed. And so about six months after I graduated, I started getting letters in the mail. But one of my student loans, I actually didn't even realize that it existed, so I wasn't making payments on it. And I got a letter in the mail saying, hey, your student loan payment is like 60 days past due. And so that 60-day late payment went on to my credit report. And it stayed there for a good seven years. Now, it fell off, I want to say, gosh, about two years ago. But it stayed on my credit report for that seven-year time period. So the most important thing that you can do for this is make your payments on time. The next factor that goes into your credit score is your utilization. This is a 30% weight of your score. Now, this is most important with credit cards. I will tell you that with other types of debt, like a mortgage, student loans, car loan, anything like that, you're not going to have to worry about utilization because utilization means how much of the available credit that we've extended to you are you actually using. With mortgages and student loans and things like that, you don't really have a utilization because the loan amount is just the loan amount and then you're paying it off, right? But with a credit card, what happens is a lender will say, hey, this is how much credit we're going to extend to you. And it's up to you as the consumer to use that credit responsibly, which means don't use all of this that we actually give to you. So your utilization is the most important with credit cards. And you're always going to want to keep your utilization below 30%. But ideally, what I'm going to encourage you to do is to actually keep your utilization below like 10 to 15% if you can. Because just like how we have tiers for your score, if we're looking at tiers for utilization, anything below 30% is considered good. Anything below 10 to 15% is considered excellent. So when I'm using my credit cards, I always try to keep my utilization below 15%. Now, I will tell you as well, this factor, although it is the second most heavily weighted factor of your score, it is the easiest and the quickest way for you to see a change in your score. This factor can actually cause pretty big swings in your credit score. If you've noticed this before, you might have had, let's say, a credit card in the past that was close to being maxed out, and then you either paid it off or you made a big payment toward it, which really reduced the utilization. And when you did that, you might have noticed a jump in your credit score. So this factor is unlike the first one that we talked about, where you just have to wait for the seven years to pass. This is a factor where you can see changes quickly in your credit score by adjusting the utilizations, specifically on your credit cards. The third factor is your length of credit history. This essentially means how long have the accounts that you've had on your credit report been open? So if you have a mortgage that's been open for five years, you have an account that has a credit history of five years. Now, when you're younger and you first start building your credit, 
this factor of your score is going to be relatively low. It's not going to help your score a lot because your length of credit history is going to be low. This is another one of those factors of your score that you really just kind of have to let time pass. But for this one specifically, what I'm going to advise you to do is specifically with credit cards, do not get into the credit card game of opening and closing cards. A lot of people ask me, hey, what happens when I close a credit card? And when you close a credit card, what happens is that this is the factor of your score that it impacts. Because when you close a credit card, you are going to lose the length of credit history associated with that card. You don't get to keep it when you close the account. So if you close a card that you've had for five years, you're going to lose that five-year length of credit history that was associated to that card, which is going to lower your length of credit history, which will probably dip your score a bit. So this factor is the third most heavily weighted at 15%. Then the last two factors of your score are both weighted at 10%. So they are the lowest. The fourth factor is called credit mix, which this essentially means, do you have a diverse makeup of credit on your report. So this is like, you know, having a mix between a mortgage and student loans and credit cards and a car loan. Now, here's the thing with this one. This is the one aspect of your score that I'm like, don't really worry about this one because don't just go out and start taking out different types of debt just so you have a variety of credit mix. This is a factor of your score that almost kind of naturally just develops for most people. So I know for me, right, like I had student loans, then we applied for our mortgage and got a mortgage. I also had credit cards. So I wasn't going out and being like, oh, well, I need to like pay attention to my credit mix. It just kind of happened naturally. And this is the factor that just kind of happens naturally for most people. But it is important to note because it is one of the five factors, but it is one of the lightest weighted factors at only 10%. So that's the fourth. And then the fifth are your hard inquiries. This factor is also weighted at 10%. And your hard inquiries are whenever you go to apply for credit. So when you go to apply for credit, a potential lender or creditor is going to apply a hard inquiry against your credit. This essentially means that they are checking your credit to determine like we talked about, if they're going to extend you credit and how much you're going to pay for it. Every time you go and apply for credit, a hard inquiry is going to be put on your report. So when you go and apply for a mortgage, a car, a credit card, and it is important to note too that every different lender that you go to will also apply a hard inquiry. So if you are car shopping and you go to five different car dealerships, and you get to the point where they are all doing a hard inquiry on your credit, that's going to be five inquiries, not just one. It's not like, oh, well, I was just doing it this one time. It's like you went to five different car dealerships and they all checked your credit. Same thing with applying for a mortgage. If you're going rate shopping and you let 10 potential lenders check your credit, that's going to be 10 hard inquiries on your credit. So what you want to do to keep this within a healthy range so that it's not hurting your score is... Within a 12-month time period, you want to keep your hard inquiries between three to five. Hard inquiries are going to fall off of your report every 12 months. So they're going to stay there for a year, and then they're going to fall off. So within a 12-month time period, you want to make sure that you're just being conscious of that and that you aren't having any more than three to five inquiries go onto your report at one time. Now, again, do not freak out if you go a little bit over this. Remember that this factor is tied at the lowest weighted factor of your score. So do not freak out about this one. And like I said, it's going to roll off after a year, not seven years, kind of like your on-time payment history. 
So just be conscious of this one, but don't get too worked up about this one. So those are the five factors that go into your score. So I'm just going to repeat them really quick so that we have them all. And you'll notice that all of these factors add up to 100%. On-time payment history, 35%. Utilization at 30%. Length of credit history at 15%. And then both credit mix and hard inquiries at 10%. Now, the next thing that I want to talk to you about is now that we know the factors that go into your score, let's talk about finding out what your score actually is. So the first thing that I want to tell you about checking your score, which this is a very common misconception about credit scores, is that it does not impact your credit score for you as the consumer to check and see what your credit score is. So remember how we were talking about hard inquiries when a potential lender checks your credit score. People get this confused because they hear like, oh, when a creditor checks my credit score, That will impact my credit score because it's going to go on my report as a hard inquiry. You as the consumer just being curious and saying, hey, I want to know what my credit score is, that is not a hard inquiry. You just want to know what it is. So you checking your credit score through, let's say, Credit Sesame or Credit Karma, that is not going to impact your score. Now that you know that, I do want to encourage you to have some sort of way where you are monitoring your credit score. I use Credit Karma because it's free. They have an app. I just have it on my phone. I can pop it open. But I'll say this as well. A lot of us nowadays do have credit score monitoring through credit cards. It's almost just becoming a standard feature now. I will say that almost every single credit card that I have today offers free credit score monitoring. So if you already have credit cards, that's where I would start. I would just start to see if you get credit score monitoring through your credit cards. And if not, you can just use something like I said, like a Credit Karma or Credit Sesame. I will also tell you this, that you should also be checking your credit report to make sure that there are no inaccuracies that have been reported on to your credit report. So your credit report is not going to tell you your score, but it is going to tell you all of the factors that are going into determining your score. It's going to be a record of all of your accounts all of your payment history, the limits, the balances, all that sort of stuff. And under the Free Credit Reporting Act, every single American is entitled to a free copy of your credit report once a year. And so like I said, you can actually go to a website called annualcreditreport.com to get a free copy of your credit report every single year. So I would also do that as well. I always do this at the start of every year. I pull mine and I pull my husband's just to take a quick glance at it and just to make sure that everything looks correct and accurate and there's nothing that's being reported on our reports that isn't true or misrepresentative that could be negatively impacting our scores. Again, we all have access to that free every single year under the Free Credit Reporting Act, so make sure that you are taking advantage of that. Again, you can go to annualcreditreport.com. Once you check your credit score, I just want to remind you that your credit score is a neutral circumstance. It goes in the C line of our model. Just how money is a circumstance, just how the amount of debt that you have is a circumstance, or the amount of savings that you have is a circumstance, your credit score is also a neutral circumstance. So once you check your score, your brain might be offering you all sorts of crazy and maybe irrational thoughts. And I do want to tell you that your credit score is not a reason to freak out. 
We want to be responsible about it. We want to pay attention to it. Ultimately, yes, we want it to be as high as possible. But just remember that it is a neutral circumstance. And the way that you choose to think about it, what's going to go in that thought line will determine the way that you're going to feel about it. And then those feelings are going to drive the actions that you're going to take to either manage it or improve it. So just remember, take a deep breath. Your credit score is a neutral circumstance. So that's how you can check your credit score. It's not going to impact your score. Also look at your report. Now, once you've checked it, you're probably going to fall into one of three camps. This is the last thing that we're going to talk about in this episode is once you've checked it and you know what your score is. The first camp that you might fall into is that you don't even have a credit score because you don't have any credit history. Maybe you're younger or you just haven't had any debt accounts in the past, which is okay. All right. Please hear me on this. This is not a problem. So if that's you, if you do not have a credit score currently because you just don't really have any credit history, the fastest and the easiest way to get some built up is through credit cards. Think about this, right? Because the only other way to do it is going to be through a mortgage, through student loans, through personal loans. And frankly, a creditor is probably not going to lend you any of those things if you don't have a credit score. So there are credit cards that you can start with that are specifically designed for, you know, let's say students. So let's say you're a student and you're younger, you just don't have any credit history yet. They're specifically designed for people with limited credit history. Now, when you first open the cards, because you don't have any history, they're not going to have a lot to go off of. So when you first open up these cards, you're probably going to have a limit that's very low. The card probably isn't going to have a lot of perks, but that's okay. We're not after perks right now. What we're after is building up your credit score. So you can start opening up these cards and using them and over time building up your credit history. After you've done that, then what you can do is transition to other cards once you have an established credit history that are going to offer you more perks, higher limits, things like that. Within Credit Card Clarity, I recommend these cards for you. I recommend 25 cards, and there is a section within those 25 cards when I say, hey, here's some good cards for students, and here's some good cards for people with limited credit history. The second bucket that you might be falling into is that you have a credit score, but it's not as high as you would like it to be. This is probably because in the past, you have made decisions that have impacted your score negatively. Maybe you have some late payments. Maybe you have a high utilization on some credit cards. Maybe you have a lot of hard inquiries on your credit. So a common question that I get is, okay, how can I raise my credit score? So like I said, the fastest way that you can raise your credit score is getting your utilization into a healthy range. That's the fastest way to do it. Other than that, unfortunately, sometimes it just takes time. It takes late payments rolling off. It takes you building up more you know, on-time payments than you have late payments, letting those late payments roll off, letting you know any hard inquiries that you've made over the past year, if there's a lot and that's negatively impacting your score, letting those roll off, making sure that you're not just opening and closing credit cards and closing accounts so that your length of credit history is building up. So if you're someone right now that has a low credit score, you want to work to build it up, there's really three things that you can do. One. The easiest and the quickest way is to lower the utilization on your credit cards. If you're like, yeah, okay, but I don't have the money to lower my utilization on my credit cards, then I would look into a personal consolidation loan. Because when you do a personal consolidation loan specifically for your credit cards, what happens normally 
is that will actually help your credit score because they're going to pay off your credit cards and then you pay back the loan instead of paying back your credit cards. So you can look into that. The second thing that I would recommend that you do is look into a secured credit card, which essentially means that you are opening up a credit card, but you put a deposit down on the card, which is why it's called a secured card. And then you can use that credit card responsibly over time to start building back up your credit. And then the third thing, like I said, is just being patient with yourself, giving yourself grace, and just letting time pass. Again, within Credit Card Clarity, if you're like, what are the best secured credit cards? There is a section within those 25 as well that are for people specifically who want to rebuild their credit through credit card use. So that's the second camp that you might be finding yourself in. And the third camp after you've checked your score is that You're pleased with where your score is. You have a high score and you simply just want to maintain it. So if that's you, here's my tips. Continue to make your payments on time. Like we've talked about, that's the most important thing. For this factor, what I highly recommend every single one of you do on any debt that you have is that you set up automatic payments. This ensures that you will never miss a payment. Set up automatic payments for your mortgage, for student loans, for credit cards. Again, we don't want you missing a payment, so setting up automatic payments on all of your loans that are factoring into your credit score will just ensure that this never happens. Remember to keep your credit cards in a healthy utilization, always below 30%, but ideally below 10 to 15%. Do not be playing the credit card game where you are opening and closing credit cards, and then also just keep an eye on your hard inquiries. Be conscious of that. So if you're just keeping an eye on all of those things, then that's really all that you need to do to maintain your high credit score. And like I said, just be in tune with what it is. I probably check mine once a month for, I don't know, maybe a couple minutes it takes me. So it doesn't take a lot of time to check in and monitor your credit score, but I would just recommend that you do that to stay on top of it. So that is what I have for you in this episode all about credit scores. If you have any questions that I didn't answer here, please feel free to reach out to me. And like I told you at the beginning, obviously from what you can see in this episode is that credit cards are absolutely the easiest way to build up your credit score. Now, I will tell you this. Sometimes I get asked, okay, I don't want to use credit cards, so is there another way to build my credit score? Yes. Credit cards are not a necessity to build your credit score, but they are the easiest way to do so, but they're not the only way. Okay, so just keep that in mind. I am not saying that credit cards are a financial necessity, but they do help to make things faster and easier if you are looking for ways to boost your credit. So check out Credit Card Clarity. The link to purchase that is in the show notes, and it's also the link in my Instagram bio for the entire month of February. Within Credit Card Clarity, I'm going to teach you how to use credit cards responsibly. There is an entire lesson dedicated to the correlation between credit cards and your credit score, using credit cards in a way that's going to help your score rather than hurt it. All of the recommendations are in there, whether you want credit cards that have great perks or rewards, whether you're a student, whether you are someone with limited credit history or you want to rebuild your credit history. I've done all that research and I have cards to help you with whatever camp that you fall in. So remember that for the month of February, I am offering Credit Card Clarity 50% off. So right now you can snag it for only $39. So there's two weeks left, a little less than two weeks left to do that. You have lifetime access to the course 
So if you can't take it right now, but you know that you're going to want to take it eventually, I would just go ahead and snag it so you can save yourself 50% off and then get to the course when you can. So again, I really hope that you enjoyed this lesson. It was helpful and valuable to you. Reach out with any questions. I will see you next Tuesday. Have an amazing week. I love you. Bye. Hey, girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in Overcoming Overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled purposeful and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.